We're continuing on the series, Our Heart and the Stuff. This is part nine, and this today will be the last. I'm just going to give a brief recap, for I know it's been a little while. Uh, last time we were in 1 Samuel, and uh, we were in chapter 8, and we were talking about when God delivered the Jews from Egypt, he always had an intermediary to execute his will and guide the people. God's desire was always to be the father and king to the children of Israel. That never changed. The people in the time of Samuel wanted to be like all the other nations, which is not what God intended for them. They were not like everyone else. They were unique, special. The living God was their king and father, and we are not like other people. We are a peculiar people. Many times we want to fit in, but God has called us to be something special, something more. You see, that's the thing. They didn't recognize how special they were. God's relationship with them was like nothing that ever existed. They were special people to God. He said, a nation of priests and kings to me. But they couldn't understand. Not that they didn't understand. They wanted some. They wanted to be like everyone else. To me, that's lowering yourself. When you want to be like everybody else, you are lowering yourself to who to who God called us to be as His children. When you want to fit in with everyone else, you are lowering your standards. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. He's called us to be. We are special people to God. Our relationship with God is not like anything in this world. So the people requested an earthly king, not knowing that they were rejecting God, indicating that they did not want him to reign over them. God granted them their request and warned them of the consequences, but the people couldn't see past their own desires and demanded a king to rule over them and fight their battles. They wanted a man to do what God was doing for them. That's to tell you how low their thinking was. The mentality of a slave. The mentality of a child. Wants somebody else, wants the arm of flesh to do what God is, was already doing for them. Lowering their standards, not knowing and understanding who they are, and the relationship they have with the, with the creator of the universe. God wanted a direct personal relationship with the people. He wanted to be accepted as their king and father. He guided them, provided for them, and fought their battles. Sometimes what we want in the natural makes sense to us in the moment. However, it may not be what God desires for us. Having a king over Israel would make sense. It seemed to work well for everyone else. Why, why wouldn't it work for us? You see, but the thing is we have to weigh what we want to what God desires and will is for our lives. But if you don't know him, how can you know what his will is for your life? So when our heart and mind are on the stuff, this is when we want to walk in our own way. We lean on the arm of flesh and we reject God. You see that a lot. 
You see that a lot. We lean, people lean on the arm of flesh and they reject God. Even though the Lord was not pleased with their decision, He was still working, willing to work with them if they continued to serve Him. So He just showed you the compassion and the mercy God had. They went contrary to what He wanted for, the, for them, but He was still willing to work with them if they obeyed and worshipped Him and served Him. He wasn't going to forsake them. And then he warns them about their king and about disobeying them. Yes, he's willing to, to, to shift and work with them. But he said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta obey me. Your king's gotta obey me. Or else I'll have to take my hands off. And that's exactly what happened. God never ever does anything without first giving us a warning or letting us know. We might want to do things. We might want to... God always lets us know ahead of time. If we sometimes we're so quick, we don't take the time to listen for what the Spirit is trying to tell us. And I've been in situations where I was in a situation where I, can, I, can, I know in my heart, this is, I don't do this. But I still went and I did it. And then there are consequences when you don't listen. But it's to be able to discern the voice. To be able to discern when the Spirit is talking to you. That is very, very important. Never be quick to do anything. Never be anxious. Never be in a rush to react to anything. Always take that moment to wait on the Lord for direction of what you ought to be doing. That is so critical. I'm learning that every day. So the people wanted something that the Lord never wanted for them. But sometimes you have to give people what they want so that they can learn an important lesson. Their heart wasn't in the right place because they were preoccupied with what they wanted. You see, you know, we try to protect our kids and we try to do things so that we don't want them to get hurt. But look at the parable, the prodigal son. The prodigal son asked for, in his, his, in, asked for his inheritance. The father never said no. The father didn't try to keep him from what he had to experience. The father had to let him go to experience what he had to experience. He had to give him, he, he knew, but he had to give him, sometimes you have to give people what they ask for. Because that's the only way they're going to learn. We try to protect our children, but sometimes we have... They want to scream, they want it, let them go. You see, we try to protect them, but we have to realize God is the one who's going to keep them. And we just have to let them go. Let them experience the world. They want to leave, go ahead. So be careful for what you ask for. It's God's, if it's God's will for our lives, or it's our desires. You might just get it and regret it. So like many of us today, we, do we ever take the time to evaluate our heart? Consider our motives and what we ask for and the consequences if we get it. That's big. When you ask for something, you have to think of the consequences if you get it. And the consequences doesn't have to be bad. It could be bad and it could be good. 
Anyhow, so today we will continue with our heart and the stuff, and I'll pick it up in, um, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. And I'm going to give a backdrop before I start reading. And I want to see something here. So, while you're looking for the scripture, let me just... Uh, give you a little prelude to what's happening before I read the scripture. So Paul was writing about his experiences in Asia, the suffering he and the saints had to endure. They were burdened above measure. When I read this, I mean, I just had to pause. He said they were burdened above measure, above strength. They thought they were going to die. So when it said burdened above measure, above strength, whatever they were facing, they had no control over it. They were just subject to whatever was going on. There was nothing they could have done about it. And to tell you how much the pressure and stress was, they thought they were going to die. So their trust was in the Lord. Because they know they couldn't do anything about their situation. They could not control the events affecting them. But the Lord eventually delivered them. So when I, you know, I read that, I, I'm not reading it, but when I read that, that's a good message. Because sometimes we are overwhelmed in a situation. Overwhelmed. And we feel we can't take it no more. We, we just can't deal with it anymore. But that's when you have to relinquish control to God. That's hard. When you cannot control a situation... You have to let it really release it into the hands of God. And hold on to your faith. Because when you do, when you release it to Him, He is free to act on your behalf. Because you're not trying to deal with it on your own. That's not easy. When, when, you, when if you go back and meditate on what they, they were going through, you're talking about your life is on the line. Exactly. Your life is on the line. So anyhow, let's go. Let's read verse 12. So when Paul was finished talking about that and thanking them for their prayers, he said, and which, which is amazed me how he, what his reaction was. He said, our boasting is this. The boasting isn't all the stuff they went through and how they came through it. The boasting is this. The testimony of our conscience. That we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. That's all I'm going to read. All, you think about all the stuff he were, they were going through. About their life on the line. Thought, thinking they were going to die. The suffering they went through. He said... I'm not boasting about that. I'm boasting about this. Our, the testimony of our conscience. That we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. Let's break that down. I had to look up the definition in the Greek for simplicity. And it's not what I thought. We hear the word simplicity and what we're thinking is not what it's saying. 
Simplicity meant singleness, not self-seeking, generous, liberal, always giving and looking for nothing in return. So he said, we conduct our conscience of the testimony, testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity. He said, we weren't self-seeking. We were generous. We were giving of ourselves, of our gifts, of our lives. Because that's the directive they got from the Lord. Paul got from the Lord. To go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. And remember the message I preached several weeks ago. When he was in, in Lydia and these places and he was persecuted and stoned. His drive, the reason why he went back into these areas of persecution is because of the call on his life. The care for the saints, for the people. He was preaching, planting churches and, gro and, and growing up the saints, maturing them in Christ. Went back into the same areas of persecution that he was stoned, that he was beaten because of the care for the saints. Because of the call on his life. He didn't let the stuff the things he had to go through distract him from the call on his life. So when he said simplicity here, whatever he did was not self-seeking. He didn't go into these places to, to big up himself. He went in there because he had a directive to go into these places and preach the gospel. Loyal to the call on his life. Always giving, not looking for any return. When he went to this place, he wasn't looking for money. He wasn't looking for accolades. He was trusting God to give him whatever he needed, wherever he went. He said, remember Paul said, sometimes I was hungry, naked, thirsty, cold, no sleep, beaten. For what? For the cause of Christ. For the call on his life. So that's, that's not self-seeking. That is sacrificial. That is giving of himself. So he said, in simplicity. Well, look at this one here. And he said, and godly sincerity. Now I have to look up the meaning of that. In the Greek. It says in the concordance, clearness, purity, transparent. In simplicity and godly sincerity. He said, not self-seeking, Always giving, looking for nothing in return. And what I did was pure and transparent. Nothing was hidden. I did not have an ulterior motive. Glory to God. So what does that tell us about our attitude? When we're doing things in the world. And he said it's not only for the church, in the, with the brethren. In the world. In the world we have to be who we are. We can't be one thing in the world and one thing in church. We can't be one thing in the world and one thing in the house. We are who we are. Amen. We can't be, we don't have, we can't be what? Have dual characters. Okay? So he says here, he conducted, we conducted ourselves in the world with sim in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. So the things that they were able to accomplish wasn't by their works. <laughs> wasn't by his wisdom. His life was on the line. 
They didn't know how they want to get through a lot of things. But he says it's by grace. The power that they've gotten by the Spirit to do what they can't do. Favor. Not by because of who they are or who they knew. Favor because they are favor with God. God opened doors. Made a way for them to, to, to escape so that they won't be killed. But by the grace of God, more and more abundantly toward you. So, how they conducted themselves in simplicity and godly sincerity was a reflection towards the world and to the, to the church. And he said, more abundantly towards you. Why more abundantly towards the church? Why more abundantly towards the saints? Because people will eventually figure out when you're fake. Big people eventually see through your fail, your mask. If they're with you long enough, people will figure you out. But if you come to people genuinely, without ulterior motives, you come to them with a, with a singleness of purpose, looking for nothing in return, you can't fake that. People will know it over time. And he said not only to the church, because when people see that, if you're, if you're what? Of two minds? If your heart is split? If you have an ulterior motive? It will cause people in the church to stumble. It'll, it can cause people to turn away from the Lord. So he said here, not with the wisdom of man, but by the grace of God, to be able to minister consistently with godly character and not be distracted requires God's grace. Even though he and others were going through trials, even in the face of death and suffering, they were still trusting God and walking in integrity. And, in, and in, when you're going through stuff, trials, the temptation to deviate is always present. But the call and doing the will of Christ was more important to Paul. When you're going through suffering, when you're going through trials, the temptation to deviate is always present. But the call and doing the will of Christ was more important. And when, the, when, when you are focused on that, the temptation to deviate will always dissipate when you're focused on the call in your life. So this conduct, generosity, purity and transparency was, the, was towards those in the world and those in the body. And this, we really are on display. We are living epistles. Our conscience must be clear and our motives pure. We can't, we have to be careful about, about, about what we are doing. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of, of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Verse 17. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity, 
But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Verse 14. Thanks be to God who leads us in triumph in Christ. And through who? Us. Who is us? The saints. Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Did you hear that? Through us, the saints, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. What does that mean? It means that we are the ones who reveals the knowledge of a life in Christ by our conduct. What conduct? Simplicity and sincerity. A.K.A. we walk our walk and by the impact we have on others. Paul before said, we conduct ourselves in simplicity and sincerity. And it's saying here in verse 14 that we, the saints, to us, we are what? Through us, it diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. It's saying that the knowledge of Christ is revealed through us. We are fragrance. Wherever we go and whatever we do, we are fragrance of Christ. And it says further down, to some, we are, are an aroma of death. So when people come in against you, when people are persecuting you, understand to you, you are a threat to them. They don't understand why they are attacking you, but you are an aroma of death to them because they don't know Christ. So we are supposed to be a fragrance of Christ in the world. And it takes me back to a scripture here. Let's, look, let's go to verse 17 and then let me talk, touch on that. Verse 17, it says here in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And then Amplified it says, For we are not like so many, like hucksters, making a trade-off. Peddling God's word, shortchanging and adulterating the divine message. But like men of sincerity and the purest motive, as commissioned and sent by God, we speak his message in Christ the Messiah, in the very sight and presence of God. What is he saying here? Many then and today were preaching without understanding or caring for about the people. They were doing it out of their own interest. They were doing it for money and were compromising the truth. God's word, what God's word must be preached and taught in sincerity. And we and we went and we talk about what that sincerity, the definition for that was. It must be transparent. You mustn't have an hidden agenda. You're not in it for yourself. You're not to look for anything in return. So when you hear people on the television telling you, send me a thousand dollars and I will do X, Y, and Z, that's a, that's a huckster. That's a peddler trying to sell, shortchange the word of God. Those things ought not to be. Recognize them for who they are. 
Because they are adulterating the word of God. A lot of people are in it for the money. What they can get. But God, you have to pray for them. God, God knows. Jesus knows who they are. And he will deal with them. But we got to pray for them. But also pray for our own. Pray that we won't be blinded. But that we will see the truth. And be able to recognize when, and when the spirit of deception is trying to, to, to ensnare us. Okay? We don't want to be caught up in the stuff. We want our hearts to be towards God. So when our heart is on the stuff, we won't, appear, we won't appear unique in the world. Nor are we an aroma of death to the perishing. When you fit in with everyone else, when you fit in with sinners and they're not threatened by you, you are not, you're, not, you're not effective. You're not an aroma of Christ. You're just like them. So what does that say about our walk? What does that say about our testimony? Go to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read something. And this will be my last scripture. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16. And this ties into exactly what, what Paul was writing here to the Corinthians. You probably can quote the scripture but I want to read it. Are you there? Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Let's start from verse 14. Jesus is speaking. He says... You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. And verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What is Jesus saying there? Whatever way your conduct in simplicity and sincerity. Say, let your light shine. What is he saying there? It said here in the scripture we read before that we are what? Wherever we go, whatever we do, we are an aroma. We are diffusing the knowledge of Christ. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we are letting our light shine. What is that light? What is that light? The essence of Christ in our life. Jesus is said, telling here, let your light, you are the light of the world. He said, you, you're, when you let your light shine, you, nothing can snuff you out. You cannot be hidden. You will be seen by everyone in your, whoever you come in contact with. People will see something unique about you. Because it says here, we are peculiar people. We are special people. And when we let our light shine, that special, that thing you are like a, you're like a, a target. And not necessarily, necessarily in a bad way. There is just something different about you. Amen? So he's saying here, in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Who is being glorified? The Lord is being glorified. Why? Because it says, who, who was, when it, in, in John 17, what did Jesus say to the disciples when he was praying for them? He said, the glory, Father, you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one, that the world would know that you sent me. How does the world know? Because they see something in, in the saints. The light of Christ is shining in the light of the saints, in the life of the saints. So they know, they see Christ. 
It's the same thing Jesus is saying here. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your, the Father in heaven. So the aroma of Christ must be made manifest and revealed from our lives. That's why we are the light. Because we are peculiar. We are different. People see something different about us. And to those who are, who are going to be led to life, it's, it's, it's life to them. But those who are, who are perishing, it's death to them. So back to what David said to his son, Solomon. That was in the first message in this series. David was talking to Solomon and he said to Solomon, before Solomon became king, he said, Seek God and obey Him. Serve Him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. He said, be loyal to the call. Because Solomon was called to build a temple. And David was admonishing him. He said, obey him. And serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. He said, don't let this stuff, we cannot let this stuff distract us from obeying the call in our lives. And we have to do it with simplicity, simplicity and godly sincerity. Whatever the call is, do it with simplicity. And that simplicity, as I said, I gave you the definition. It says doing it without an ulterior motive. Doing it, not looking for anything in return. And be transparent. Don't have a hidden agenda. So if it's anything you learn from this series. If it's anything you learn about our heart and the stuff. It's understand what the call is on your life. If you don't know the call, it's very hard to have direction when you don't know what your purpose is. So it's anything you learn. That, our, that the stuff will always try to distract us from the call on our lives. But we must be like Paul. We must like, be like Jesus. Doing the will. Having a, a, a singleness of purpose to do the will of the one who have called you. And who have directed us and given us an assignment to be faithful to that call. And to do it willingly and to do it with joy.